This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Americans love their stuff. We are a nation of consumers, which raises the question, where do we put everything? Proper organization and storage are crucial to a successful and functional home, but storage has gone far beyond the utilitarian. Luxury closets have become potent fantasies for clients. Instagram is filled with images of dream closets and dressing rooms with every detail thought out, from sliding trays precisely fitted for jewelry and lingerie to hidden hanging racks and shoe drawers for days. Even mudrooms, pantries, and laundry rooms have become social media stars. Creating adequate storage and space is commensurate with the quality of the items to be stored. Whether an array of Hermes handbags or a handmade carbon fiber bicycle is an opportunity for designers and architects to dazzle their clients or to disappoint. How, in the face of limited space, can designers satisfy the demand for luxury organization and storage? I'm fortunate to have with me three ingenious designers who specialize in making closets and other storage spaces as useful and glamorous as every other room in the house and are full of insights into the process of transforming overlooked spaces into useful assets. Lisa Adams started LA Closet Design in 2007 and has since become Hollywood's go-to designer for over-the-top wardrobe spaces. Her seductive and sumptuous closets and dressing rooms, as precisely engineered as a fine watch, have garnered her not only celebrity clients, including Christina Aguilera, Reese Witherspoon, Billy Crystal, Tyra Banks, and Kris Jenner, but have also attracted nearly 200,000 followers on Instagram. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Michael. How are you? Great. I'm so glad you're here. Melanie Charlton Fowler founded her firm, Closet, more than two decades ago and has since worked with some of the country's top design firms who turned to her for her skill in analyzing inventory, distilling functionality, and designing elegant spaces and cabinetry. Since she has five children, two dogs, and several houses, it's not surprising that she truly understands the importance of organization. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. New York designer Maria Castro has worked for more than 10 years with California Closets, which over the past four decades has become a national leader in premium and luxury space management, with 120 showrooms and more than 700 affiliated designers. Maria has worked on projects ranging from transforming spare bedrooms into luxurious dressing areas to carving precious storage space out of Manhattan's typically small apartments, something I certainly relate to. Hello, Maria. Hi, Michael. I'm so glad you're here. I'm fascinated with this topic because, you know, as I said, I live in a Manhattan apartment. We never have enough storage space. We never have enough closet space. So I would love to get a sense from each of you how you got into this sort of specialized design area. It's a crucial area in designing homes and other spaces for people. But, you know, the joke always has been dump everything in the garage, but that doesn't always work for everyone. So, Lisa, why don't you start and tell us how you got into specializing in closets? By accident? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> right, right. Circuitously, I majored in chemistry. I always thought huh. that I was going to be a research scientist. I've got a very type A brain, math and science. So 
art and design and that right side of my brain never came into play. So I went to school in chemistry and then one day in the lab thought, I don't know if I want to be a scientist. This is a little isolating. And so got out of the lab, sort of went to business school to try to stay in the sciences and, you know, how life sort of takes us. Uh, I was given an opportunity to work in a design firm and, you know, parents were like, what? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Trust me. I think, you know, I, I sort of took a leap of faith and decided. So I really came into the design arena from the left side, right? So from a very methodical, I could do the business and the management side of things, but sort of had to learn the design. And did I step into closets by chance? You know, I really thought at that time there was sort of who's doing this? I think that it was a time when kitchens were all the rage. And I thought, what about closets? Who's doing closets? I really felt like it was an important space in the house that was sort of being overlooked. So took a chance on that and then sort of like studied the design aspect and thought, okay, well, I know I can design closets functionally, but can I make them look beautiful as well? So that was sort of the learning curve with that. Yeah. So you really sensed a void in the marketplace. I did. I did. And, you know, felt confident that I could organize all of the clutter, felt organized that I could put them into neat categories and then sort of make them look beautiful as well. And Melanie, what about you? How did you found Closet? What was the inspiration behind that? So I was working for style.com and for Condé Net and then worked for John Idol. John Idol is who I worked for when I kind of stumbled into this. And he wanted me actually to go to business school because unlike Lisa, I was more focused on marketing and I did a lot of retail negotiation of space for John. At the time, he wasn't at Michael Kors. He was at Ann Klein and taking them Chapter 11, and we were reworking the whole company. So I was reworking tons of retail spaces back of the retail spaces, too, in the PR departments and the sales departments. So I kind of had that under my belt and had worked for Anna and Lauren DuPont for years doing all the shows. So I knew fashion pretty well as well. And he wanted me to go to business school and go on working for him. And I didn't want to stay in corporate. And I got out of corporate fashion and corporate editorial and was freelancing. And one or two designers said to me, hey, would you come help me with my point of sale? Would you help me with my PR showroom? Would you help me with my retail space? So I took on some freelance jobs. And one of the people that hired me was, at the time, she was a pretty up-and-coming emerging designer from Brazil named Anna Abdul. And she owned Language. And Anna Winter at the time, like, loved her. And she was working on a loft apartment. And I reworked her entire dressing room, her office space, and her bathroom. And she told Anna about it. And Anna put a whole story about my closet design business, (laughs) which I didn't even have, into the September 2002 issue of Vogue. And I had two pages. And three months ahead, they said to me, you need to have a name for your company and a a business, like a website. And I was like, oh, God. So it was like my M&M moment. It was like, okay, I got to make this happen. And I kind of, it just was totally serendipitous. That's so great. I mean, people would have killed for that kind of press coverage. And you just got it (laughs) totally inadvertently. 
It was very inadvertent, and I thought they were going to be focused on my work on the retail, and it wasn't. It was on the design side, and still friends with the writer who wrote that story, actually. That's great. Now, Maria, you work with California Closets, which is a little different. It's not your own firm, but you're affiliated with them. So how did that happen? Did you do interior design originally, and then? I did. I did. So I went to school for interior design and architecture. And for many, many years in another life, it feels like I was doing that. I was living in Miami. And then I saw all the major designers and showrooms and everything were in New York. So I said, I got to get to New York. So I came to New York, was still doing um, interior design, renovations, things like that. And we had California closets doing some of our clients' closets. And I always found it fascinating. So as she would be working with my clients, I would pay attention, see what they were doing and stuff. But it fit with my OCD side of the brain of everything having a place, everything having a home, very organized, very neat, and also can be very beautiful, which is, you know, the design aspect that would come in. And then an opportunity presented itself and I made the jump and I've never looked back. You know, and I have to say, I'm fascinated with this topic and I'm so happy to talk with all of you because to me, you guys are proof that half of Marie Kondo's philosophy is a failure. You know, everybody was a few years ago, five years ago, everyone was into the Marie Kondo, clean out everything, thank something that didn't fit you anymore, thank it for its service to you, give it away. (laughs) But it seems to me, nobody's giving anything away, that people are just accumulating more and more stuff. So therefore, the need for you guys, because whatever, and that's why there are storage facilities dotting the landscape from the East Coast to the West Coast, people put stuff in storage, then forget they even have it. So I said to challenge, like, Lisa, you have obviously very high-end Hollywood clients. They don't need to get rid of things. When you can turn a bedroom into a closet, you can have a lot more clothes, for example. And Melanie, working in the fashion business, knows how seductive the fashion business is and people want to buy things all the time. But do you ever say to a client, this has got to go. You don't need this anymore. You're not going to wear this anymore. This bag is outdated. It's not coming back. How do you deal with the amount of stuff that people have? So, you know, it's the field of dreams, right? I think, sure, you might have the luxury of a three-story closet or you're in the Middle East and you've got a five-room dressing room Mm -hmm. and a safe room and all of this, but inevitably you're full, right? You have the space, it gets filled up, and then what do I do? So I don't I feel like almost every client has this issue, whether it's a small wardrobe in Manhattan or Hawaii to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's always funny to me because clients will say, well, what do we do? And it's, we're not magicians, right? I mean, we can can go all the way to the ceiling. We can do triple, you know, we can do everything possible. But at the end of the day, sort of the space is what the space is. And it's also just reminding clients that I think, I don't know if you guys, Melanie and Maria, come up with this, but for me, it's this idea of displaying. And for me, when I say display, sure, it can be, there's an element of showing off. There's an element of putting it in a glass display, lighting the Birkin bag, but it's also just seeing it and using it. And I'm such a big proponent of that. When I say display, it's seeing it, seeing that black shirt that you have so that you can pull it out and wear it tomorrow. If you're not seeing it, wearing it, using it, I feel like my motto is to take action and sort of get rid of it. And I think you can get rid of it in so many different ways. You can get it tailored. You can give it away. You can sell it. But sort of taking action in those moments is key for me. Yeah, it's true because, I mean, I think I only have three drawers of clothes, but I forget what's in some of those drawers. (laughs) You know, if you don't see it, you forget it's there. So, Melanie, do you find that you have to, like, help your clients edit down as part of the process? 
I feel like I am a psychotherapist to each client and I'm dealing with their own issues. And it is such an individual client to client thing. You cannot, you know, I have some clients that I'm working with the most contemporary, modern, minimalistic architects in the world, and they don't want a shred of anything shown or displayed. So you have to deal with that architect. Sometimes the architect and designer are my client as much as the client. So you're managing and brokering between everybody. And so when you're inside of a project, it's the client's psychology, it's the design designer's psychology, and then it's his truth, her truth, and the, the truth, you know? So it's like where we end up in the project is like, we have to come to some place where the client's going to be happy because it's the first place, the kitchen and the closets are the first places these people move into. And if they're wrong, they get pissed off. I think that's why closets have become such a big deal. People are spending big money there and they don't want their skirts to be touching their tops or vice versa and things not to fit. So you're spending all this money in the closet. It needs to be right. It needs to be functional. But then if you have a big architect and designer working on the project, you also need to satiate their aesthetic. And I think there's a whole psychology that goes into each project. Sometimes it's just client to client, client to me. But most of the time in the projects I do, it's not. There's like usually two, three or four players involved. And they all have egos. They all have an agenda. They all have intentions. Ultimately, I do think that to some degree, extremes are where I try to pull people in from a little bit. And culling is one of those things that it's just natural. And like Lisa had said, there's multiple ways to address an item of clothing that maybe is stuck in the closet, that's torn, that's ripped, that's not being worn, that's not being seen. It can be sold. It can be given away. There's multiple ways it can be fixed. So you have to really get in there. It's one of those projects where I realized my value at 20 years when I was being brought into projects just to handle the psychology of the client versus the designer sometimes, which oftentimes as the closet designer, you're managing some of the most expensive things and the most intimate things in the home. So yeah, I was going to say you're going through, you're literally dealing with people's underwear. Yeah. You know, and so. their jewelry, which jewelry can sometimes be a bigger price point than the home itself right. and than the art or the furnishings. So there's a real spectrum in the closet and there is a real psychology that's attached to that. There's all sorts of psychological things that go into people's closets. And I think you have to just kind of get in there, figure that out. And that's what makes custom closets custom. Right. And Maria, that's got to be really hard for you because you don't want your skirts touching your top. So you write vice versa. In the tight spaces of Manhattan, what do you have to be just more ingenious? Do you encourage more editing? How do you approach these clients? A little bit of everything. And when I enter a client's home, I always try to remember that They just met me. They have no idea who I am. And they're taking me to the most vulnerable space in their home. Sometimes they feel shame. Sometimes they feel guilt. Sometimes they're elated. You just never know. And you have to meet them where they are. And as Melanie was saying, it's, it's a little bit of a therapeutic thing that you're doing with them. Some people are downsizing from very large homes to small homes. They don't want to let go of things. They have personal attachments to them. Or sometimes, you know, they're moving into a larger space and they have no idea what to do with this space. So I feel like, like Lisa and Melanie both said, it's very individual to the client and you have to 
be very flexible and adapt to each day, how they're feeling that day. If they're more emotional, they're less emotional, they're more excited, they're less excited. And then the combining of between the spouses, uh, between the designers and the client. So it's a lot of managing in that sense. But mainly I try to listen a lot to what they're saying and what they're not saying at the same time and prioritize what it is that we're going to store in the vast space or the very small space and help them through that. Like we said, we're not, I mean, Lisa said this, none of the three of us are <laughs> magicians that have wands if that only. create square footage. If we were, we'd be right. richer than Elon Musk, right. you know? I always say, I did not bring my magic wand today, but we can work right. through this together. Right. Now, and, you know, one of the things that's fascinating to me about what you guys do, and this is a, a shift in American culture, really, it's, you know, 50, 60 years ago, closets, pantries, mudrooms, even kitchens were kind of back of the house things. They were not things that when you entertain, people didn't come into your kitchen. When you lived on Park Avenue and you mm -hmm. had a, you had help or whatever, certainly people didn't go into your closets. Now people are putting their closets on Instagram. Lisa, you you are a master at this. Your clients don't mind <laughs> with you know the jewel safes that you put in for these. They don't seem to. And I, I think that's such an interesting change that people are right. proud and want to share their closets and their mudrooms and their laundry rooms. Laundry rooms too are being fetishized almost. You know, people want luxury laundry rooms. <laughs> I know women plots. So I'd love to get a sense from you guys if you have any feeling why you think this is. And I mean, certainly you've all benefited from that. People, if they're going to show off your closet, you don't want it to look like it's made out of two by fours and a sheet of plywood. But why do you think? Lisa, do you have any ideas about this? I don't want to dumb it down so much, but I think the Kardashians, I think mainstream media, I think Instagram have certainly been contributors. I think to see the Kardashians pantry, to see their kitchen, to see their closets. I think it's just become more of a thing. And I think also because of Pinterest, because of these design sites house, I think it feels attainable. I think that, you know, whereas 10 years ago, I mean, who thought about building a house? Now I feel like everybody's considering buying a house and sort of doing a laundry room like the Kardashians. So right. I think to me, it, it, it is about everything having its place. I think this idea that things are in individualized containers and compartments and, you know, drawer inserts and everything having its place feels very attractive to people that this organization has really just stepped up a notch. <laughs> right. What do you guys think? Well, I think Lisa's spot on. I think since the beginning of times where there were kings and queens and royals, the lower class would see what they were doing. They would want to emulate that, but it wasn't necessarily attainable. But now I feel like it is, especially now with social media and just the quick access. The regular consumer is becoming much more informed and some of them are taking risks and saying, well, how much does this really cost and can I have it in my own home? And when they do, they're so elated that they share it with everyone and then everybody else starts catching on. So I feel like that's become the transition that, like Lisa said, it's just become more attainable and more mainstream. And now people are so excited about it as they were kitchens a little while ago that it's a must. When you look at a new home, you're considering the kitchens, the bathrooms, and the closets. And then when you sell, the same thing. If you just have a shelf and a rod, the consumer's going to look at it and say, that's never going to work. We need right. something different. Someone I know who sells real estate said, it's at least in Manhattan, the number one thing for any 
female client is what's the storage in the apartment, you know? That becomes more so than what's the size of the living room? Does it have a (laughs) gourmet chef? Where's the storage? How much storage is there? Function also took a lead to form for a a minute. It's like caught up, you Mm. know? It's not just about the way things look anymore, but how they actually work. And that also, I think, brought up the closets and the laundry rooms and the kitchens and the mudrooms and the pantries to the forefront. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening to the Cherish podcast. I'm Anna Brockway, president and co-founder of Cherish. We're taking a quick break to fill you in on some really exciting news. Cherish is launching our first ever in-person pop-up, the Cherish Art Gallery at none other than the famed Bergdorf Goodman. Open now through April, our gallery showcases 300 gorgeous pieces by our most beloved artists. If you find yourself in New York, I do hope you'll drop by. It's fantastic. And stay tuned for more announcements and even more offerings by visiting Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. Cherish.com. And now back to the show. You organize closets for your clients, you know, with suede drawer inserts in some cases. Some cases, maybe it's just plastic, but it doesn't matter. You organize them. The degree of luxury is optional, but we all want organization. But do you find that your clients stay organized? Does having a place for everything, you know, do you get called back ever? Have any of you ever been called back to say, oh, you know, two years ago you did my closet, it was a dream, now it's a nightmare. Can you fix it again? Has that ever happened to you? any of you? I've been called back to redo the same space for sure, but not okay. like a year or two later. Um, I have one client that redoes her jewelry inserts like almost every season because she just, and I'm not talking about her vault room, but I'm talking about her costume jewelry. She's just like, well, everything's different now. So she redoes like, she does like tens of thousands of dollars worth of jewelry inserts every year, basically, just because she redoes those drawers. But But I have had multiple clients that have called me back like seven years later to redo something or a section. I'm not wearing short skirts anymore. I'm wearing like long patio dresses now. I need more long hanging. Let's make the hanging more flexible. Let's go up higher. Let's get rid of these shelves. That kind of thing. It's not easy to section custom work, though, whereas like on a modular system, you can do that easier. But it's a lot, you know, you have to basically move them out or section off the space. And it's a pain in the butt to do that. So you try to find solutions that aren't really construction necessarily. But but yes, it definitely has happened. And certainly for, for tweaks to happen regarding hardware or drawer inserts or bigger safes, smaller safes, tweaks for sure. But yes, I've had, I've redone an entire, it was on Park Avenue and it was like a nightmare (laughs) seven years later. I couldn't believe we were redoing it. And she did, but it, it wasn't even about the work. It was like, she just totally decided she wanted a different look and feel and had gone from her 40s to her 50s early 60s, whatever. And she had changed from one construction project to the other. So she changed the whole freaking closet. It was crazy. (laughs) But I could see how too much customization could be a problem. If you're fitted out for 10 pairs Mm -hmm. of pants and you only wear four now and you don't have room for something. I mean, (laughs) Elisa, is that a problem? Because you do a lot of fitted out really beautifully detailed things. But, you know, maybe they sell that diamond necklace and they're not going to replace it. So is that a problem? 
No, because I mean, yes and yes and no, right? I think the proportions are still good. And whether you don't use some of that, you'll certainly buy more of that. So I feel like just as long as the proportions are sort of in in line. And to answer the last question, I want to say no. And that's such a good question, Michael, because I want to be brought back. I want to know, like, this should be a case, <laughs> a case study, right? Like what, you know, you've got sometimes organized clients and sometimes not organized, but we sort of sell the fact that if there's a spot for everything, you will become organized, right? And the and sometimes men are like, well, I can't roll 50 belts. And you have to remind them that you're not having to do that every day, right? You just use one belt and you put it back. I'm sure things don't go back into their position, but I think there's also staff, right? So we work a lot with staff that, Mm -hmm. how does this work? Where do things go so that they can sort of help to put things back? But I feel strongly, right? If there's a place for everything, you know where that should go, just like in kids' closets, right? Kids never know where to put things because it's not designed for them. So then things just get put on the ground. So I like to think that, you know, if you've got designed it sort of accordingly, that they will stay organized. Hi, Maria, do you think people in New York with smaller closets are more organized or they just strew their stuff on their... They may have less of a choice, yes. But I I feel like a lot of people are creatures of habit. So when you start telling them, you know, you should put your hanging lower and these shelves above because it's easier to access shelves above than the hanging down low and just different dynamics where you're literally like flipping their whole world around of what they have been used to for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years you get the slight hesitation at first and then they come with you, but sometimes they just revert back to their habits and they'll say, you know what? I liked it better the old way. And that's totally fine. Um, and then sometimes it must be a little disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't take it personally because at the end of the day, they're living there. Not me. I can only suggest what I feel from my experience works best, but then they're going to have to live there and use it. But when they do come back, sometimes they're much more educated. Sometimes when you buy, you know, a new home and you don't really know the layout of the furniture. You place it in one way, but right. then a year or two later, you're like, you know what? This is wrong. Let's move it around. So I feel the same thing happens in closets. Sometimes a couple of years later, they want to hang their pants long because it always creases and over the hanger didn't work. So little situations like that, they'll come back and tweak, or maybe they'll just redesign the whole thing, which is great for us. But I feel like it's a little bit of both. It could go either way. Hopefully they stay more organized. It's like a good diet or a good fitness plan. You know, not everybody goes into these things already fit and eating well. You kind of do have to get them on some sort of a plan. And most clients, if there is a place for everything, like Lisa said, like Marie was just saying, I feel like they start learning their system and their routine. Sometimes this is life-changing for people in a miraculous way, which is what you're going for at the end of these projects. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And that's what Maria Kondo promised, right? (laughs) And even with people, even high-end hoarders, you know, the non-Maria Kondos of the world, they are also, wow, I want my shoes to look like this after, you know, we get done with the design and the cabinetry and the organizer comes in and puts everything away or the housekeeper or they do and everything has a place and you've styled it all for them. And they're like, yes, I want to live this way. So it's like, I want to get down to my best weight or I want to get to my fittest. You know, they're going to try, they're going to practice it. And hopefully it's a system that you put in place that they're going to follow. Yeah. Okay. And has it ever happened that, one client of a couple is like super organized and into it and the other part of the couple is maybe not so into it. What do you do then? You know, you're married to somebody's married to a slob. How do you handle that? 
Lisa, I know, I'm sure there's a few slobs in Hollywood, so. <laughs> Should I name names? <laughs> sure. You don't have to, but if you want to volunteer. <laughs> no, that happens all the time. I mean, it's even when you have spouses, it doesn't have to be man, woman, could be man, man. But in, 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 even as much as like, I want to do the closet and the other one doesn't even want to do the closet. They're not on board. They sort of don't see the value we don't in need it, it. Right? Right. right. They're right. poo-pooing on it. They really, right. you know, oh, like, why do I need that? And I sort of take it on as a challenge because I feel like everybody has a button. Everybody has something that they have in their closet or they have in life, right? They might love cars and then they want to spend on the garage. They might love fish and they want a fish tank. So I feel like it's all about that. And I think it's searching for what's important. And I feel like inevitably, like the other one comes on board, right? But in terms of, you know, is one messy, one a slob? All the time. You could have two slobs. Um, right. And it's sort of. <laughs> that's, that's really hard. And then it's like kicking the slob out of the closet. It's like, where can the slob go that's not in the closet? Um, so, yeah, we're, we're dealing with that daily. Okay, I'm going to ask each of you, Melanie, why don't we start with you? What was the biggest challenge? Again, you don't have to name names or give details, <laughs> but in terms of what was the biggest challenge you had? Was it fitting in a tight space? Was it a super big wardrobe that you organized? The biggest challenge, I did do an apartment in Hong Kong, which spatially, like the inventory versus the geometry of space was just like so insane. And this was like a crazy apartment. It was very public, especially over there. So it was the person. But I'd say that was for me, you know, pen to paper the hardest. But I think the biggest challenge I ever had was a client that I did multiple jobs for. And the client herself was just, so I did her kids. She bought all her kids' apartments too. I did all their dressing rooms. I did hers. I did, she was just a very intense, demanding client herself. And I did so many projects with her and keeping her kind of, happy was and all the projects, you know, going in the right. I think that was probably the most difficult one, actually. I think person to person ended up being harder than the actual pen to paper, which was hard. Sometimes the person to person, just managing people is hard. Yeah, it just is, you know, definitely. Maria, what about you? So I I think Melanie's kind of spot on as well. Most of the closets and spaces and inventory to me is like a puzzle. So I have X amount of this, X amount of that. This is the space. How could I fit it in? Make it look nice. So they might seem overwhelming and challenging at first, but we eventually get through it. I would say the most initially overwhelming and challenging was a client that I had. She was in her 80s and she had accumulated a vast collection of silk or may scarves. So they were, you know, the ones that tie around your neck, the shawls, just every size, every color. And she wore one every single day. She must have had over about wow. 500 of them and she <laughs> wanted them all out at the same time. Wallpaper. <laughs> Custom wallpaper. <laughs> It's very expensive wallpaper. <laughs> Amazing. Right? So, I mean, and and she didn't want them folded and she didn't want them to get creased. So there were a lot of rules and regulations of how to store them and how to, and then, but then I had to figure out how to make them visible at the same time. So we came up with some very different ways to store them, to s- display them, to have them accessible at the same time because there's reaching restrictions and so on. So I'd say that was 
a fun but different challenge. I was going to say that sounds like a challenge. Yeah. And it was beautiful to be surrounded you know, <laughs> and all the fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. I bet it was kind of fab. Now, Lisa, you work with celebrity clients, so I know you've never had any personal issues with any of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what is what was one of your bigger challenges? Um, I say there's two, maybe. I think, you know, following along, Melanie, I think it always, for me, it's the people, right? It's the team involved. It's just the amount of people giving their opinions. It's client expectations. That was sort of really challenging because of all of the players got through it. But Wow. And then maybe Christina Aguilera at seven months pregnant going through the design process, you know, just (laughs) not feeling it, you know, always hot, sitting on the floor. It was, yeah, it was challenging, but I think, boy, what a creative force. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we came up with really cool design elements. That's fun. Okay. Now I want to ask you, because you all of you are specialized and have special knowledge and skills that you've learned over the years, and whether it's maximizing space or exhibiting 500 Hermes scarves, do you find that more and more interior designers are turning to you for help with these kind of projects? Like a few months ago, I saw Bunny Williams' project, and she told me who she had brought in to do the closets in the house. It was an amazing house in San Francisco. And, you know, she said, oh, I, I use so-and-so. I don't remember the woman's name, sadly. I always work with her. So do you pair with a lot of other well-known designers? Is that how it works for you often, as opposed to the client directly coming to you? Yes, for me, I'm more of a to-the-trade business. Most of you are through designers. Yes. Through architects or through designers with architecture in their firm, usually, or that large of a firm that has, um, yes, I'm mostly to the trade. And Lisa, what about you? I would say in the start of my career, it was a lot of me directly with the homeowners. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it, it was sort of, I don't know if you guys felt this, but it hadn't caught on, you know, sort of closets as sort of specialty spaces and you needing an expert, you know, really wasn't until, oh, you can hire a kitchen consultant, a lighting consultant, a landscape consultant. Um, So I felt like in the early days, it was sort of architects and designers saying, no, I can do it on my own. Very much that sort of attitude. Um, And I feel like that's sort of really come full circle where they're calling on you. And I feel like that's a testament to wanting a great project. And when you do something, something day in and day out, and you don't do any other spaces in the home, you get good at it, right? You get, you know what the technology is, the bells and whistles in the space, how to maximize it. And so I'm so grateful. I feel like we've come a long way in terms of architects turning to us as, can you help us, you know, with the functionality of the space? Can you do the interior planning for that? And that's remarkable. I think that's just... Team is always better than I, right? So I think anytime you can bring somebody in, specialized, the project can only get better. And Maria, what about the California clouds are a little different because they do advertise directly to consumers. Mm-hmm. If you go to California clouds, they put you in touch with a designer. I, I know from experience that that's how it's worked because I actually right. have California clouds in my apartment here in the city. Next Great time, at least I'm going to hire you because I want suede everywhere. But no. <laughs> <laughs> so how does it work with California closets? Um, so typically a regular client, consumer, anybody can call, make an appointment. You get a free consultation. And we design the closets with you. And that would be about one third of my clients. I only know this because we just had like a year in review where they looked at all my numbers intricately. But I would say since I came from the interior design and architecture background, I can almost like speak their language 
uh, I'm sure Melanie and Lisa feel the same, whereas a client cannot. So project managing the renovations with the timing of everything, I decided to shift my business towards trade. So I started forming relationships with actual developers. So like related development oh, and Hudson Yards and Lantern House, things like that, because then they would bring me in in construction on, like on the outside right. hoist. Yeah, very, mm-hmm. very early, which is always fun. But then we would create just smarter. <laughs> <laughs> Work smarter, not harder, right? So we would create model closets in their model apartments so that when they came for the pre-sales or even construction sales or even the regular sales, they would already see this is what your apartment could look like and this is what your closet could look like. Just reach out to Maria. So that has worked very, very well. I mean, Related has taken me every building they put up, That's I go great. with them. I um, mean, we formed a great partnership for a very long time. But I would say besides that, once you have that connection with an architect, a designer, a real estate broker, anybody, because you help them sell the apartments, you help them, you know, if, if a wife says, I don't have storage, how am I going to get this in? Well, I know Maria, she'll help you figure out where to put all your stuff. And now, the architects and the designers don't even want to deal with it. They're like, no, no, here you go. Here's a professional that does just this space for you rather than them trying to figure something out and then it doesn't work. You have an unhappy client. They would rather just refer a professional in this field to the client and have them do that for them. It's total sense. Because as I said, you guys are really specialists. And, you know, if you want something done the best, you have to have somebody who knows about it. I touched on before in the intro, but I wanted to ask each of you now Beyond closets, like you were saying, Lisa, it started with kitchens, then it went to closets. Now it seems pantries, mudrooms, even garages have become very... Have you guys ever designed any of those ancillary? I'm not not so ancillary anymore. They've become prime mudrooms, that kind of thing. Do you get asked to do that as well? Yes, usually we do storage as a whole on the entire project and come... and. And come in from inception. And that's why I market to the trade also, because it is so much better if it's a new build or a remodel to be able to determine square footage from the inventory. Because what would piss you off more if you're building a 20,000 or 10,000 or 14,000 square foot home from the ground up or remodeling it with three standing walls that your closet wasn't big enough because the architect couldn't determine inventory to determine the square footage of everybody's closet space, especially the masters. So we get involved usually, like that is our, our what we try to do is just from inception, be involved from the get-go on the whole project storage. Oh, uh, that makes sense. For Michael Jordan, I did his Nike room which was, you know, every Air Jordan since inception. Well, I was going to say, that's a lot of shoes. No, it was huge. That was way bigger. His closet was second. His trophy room was third. But we moved everything inventory-wise from Chicago down to Jupiter, Florida. You know what I mean? It's like, but getting involved, it was a six-year project. So we like to be on things as early as possible. And we usually do whole home storage, not the just the dressing rooms. And Elisa, what about you? Do you do... Other spaces besides your incredibly beautiful closets <laughs> with the Birkin bags and the Hermes, all that, what else do you work on? First of all, I'm so jealous that you did Michael Jordan's closet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love basketball. So, <laughs> In terms of, I do other store, closet storage spaces. So I'll do kids' closets, guest closets, but I try not to do pantries and entertainment rooms and things like that. Yeah, more I for feel kitchen. like- 
I get asked that all the time. And then I feel like it's a slippery slope in terms of, okay, can you do the bathroom in the kitchen now? And I just want to honor that there are specialists for that. But, you know, in the conversation of the master closet will inevitably come up. Well, where are you putting the vacuum cleaner? Where are you putting your luggage? And so it sort of has to be looked at as a whole, I feel, right? Because where is that going? And then, well, are you going to design that? So I will treat that as a whole and I will do all the closets in the in the space. Okay, here's a tough, well, it's not a tough question, but I hope maybe you'll think it's a tough question. But I'd love to get to know from each of you, like one clever trick. Let's say after this podcast, I want to go and improve my closet, which is pretty good thanks to California Closets, Maria. I want you to know. But, you know, things (laughs) fill up, you know, get more. So what's one clever storage solution that you've come up with? I want you to, each of you come up with your like Martha Stewart or Maria Kondo (laughs) moment here. Melanie, why don't we start with you? One closet solution I came up with, like, well, I love my hardware line, which is at Nan's. um, And those are a couple different solutions, but they're takes on everything that's out there, a different type of LA rod belt, tie racks. But inside of that line, I also did some interesting scarf and shoe rails, which were actually something I was looking at a scarf collection as well, Maria, from a client, not as many as 500, (laughs) but she had a lot and she wanted them all to be seen. And we had shallow wall space. And so I just kept going back to this 1950s dish towel from under the sink. Oh, yeah, the that dish towel out. Multiple right. rows. Oh, like, cool. Yeah. So I actually integrated that into hardware, and we used the shallow wall space. And in this particular project was a, a Ferguson Chamamian project, and actually everything had to be covered. So I, asked, I also had to have these kind of doors that were almost French shallow but all opening the same direction. So it looked like wall with seams and we put them all into all of these rods that then I had to do custom foundry. So it looked mm-hmm. good as well because it's Ferguson Shimami and, and Peter Maria. So it was like we were doing all the rods inside. Uh, they were all custom. And then I turned this into a piece of my hardware line actually after that, because it's simple and it was great. And I've used that scarf hardware everywhere. And I actually That's really do great. love that scarf hardware. It, it's great. It's useful and functional. Maria, what about you? A little favorite trick. Deep shelves can be like the death of clothes because things yeah, what's go in to the back, back they right. get blocked by something else and nobody knows where, where it goes. So one thing that I always tell my clients is when they're putting shoes on deep shelves, instead of putting them side by side on the front and then side by side on the back, you have no idea who's behind you. So just put all the left shoes in the front and all the right shoes in the back. You're only going to see one oh, shoe in the front, but you know who's that behind That is very clever. <laughs> Fair. That is trick, a really a good, good trick, trick and right? that's not even going to cost any money. <laughs> I, that's a free tip I give with my console. <laughs> I love that. Okay, Lisa, what about you? One, one little trick. I love staging rods. And so clients will always say, what is that? And I think it's sort of my takeaway from valet rods where everybody, everybody requests that. It's great for packing, unloading, dry cleaning, for getting sort of organized. And so, you know, it's a staging rod and it doesn't have to be, you know, we've done really elaborate ones where, you know, we've got marble and we've got rose gold, but it literally could be a towel rod, right? It could literally be just like what you're saying, Melanie, but it's just sort of a little rod where you can put hangers and 
it's so great for planning your trip, your outfit of the day, incoming, packing, uh, yeah, packing always, all of it. So right. it doesn't take up a whole lot of space, but I feel like right. it's a luxury where when you say you've got a staging area, <laughs> just like the Hollywood actress, <laughs> right? That it's, <laughs> it's pre-planning. It's, you know, it's just a space where you can get organized before it sort of goes into the main closet. So I feel like that's my little trick. That is a great trick. All right, and one last question. You know, you guys have seen, like you were saying, Lisa, closets have become stars. So what do you think is next in terms of either closet design or is there another area of the home that you think is ripe for reinvention? Marie, what about you? Hmm. Well, I think that a lot of people are making their closets less not less functional, but they're focusing more on aesthetics now. So, I mean, Melanie and Lisa have kind of steered this ship, but um, California's was, closets was more about modular being functional and getting you an organized closet. Now, although they certainly upgraded the cabinetry that they offer. I mean, it's really can be quite beautiful. Correct. So now it's like a whole world of, you know, glass shelves, lit glass shelves, glass doors. I mean, it's just becoming more of an attraction where as soon as somebody comes over, they say, you know, come look at my closet. Like you would say, come look at my new kitchen. So it's becoming more like furniture, more with the trends as well. So they coordinate the closets with the rest of the home, whatever new trend is coming in as far as fabrics, materials, colors, things like that. So I feel like it's only getting more impactful of how important the closet is to the rest of the home. And Melanie, what about you? What do you think is ahead? I think there's still so much that we can do inside these spaces. I think product-wise, we're actually not even close to there. I had a hanger line out a long time ago that I get like, it had a very big cult following and I went through a divorce at the time and that's why it kind of disappeared because of my divorce. (laughs) But like just that alone, like I think we can do so much better on the disparity between a high-end hanger and a low-end hanger and what they both offer, which, by the way, the thin, skinny, flocked hangers, they offer space-saving, right? And then you've got on the high-end hanger side, you know, you've got more the luxe, the colors, the, what they're flocked in or what they're wrapped in or their hardware, but somewhere in the middle just with a hanger alone. And then as far as, like, closet design, I really don't think we've even scratched the surface. There's so much to innovate on as far as hardware and drawer inserts, lighting for sure. Lighting changes. Everything. People don't know this. It's an iPhone and, and it changes everything inside the closet. And it also changes like technology of the iPhone almost like once a year or every six months. I mean, the LEDs that I was installing 10 years ago into systems within the cabinetry, which were essentially strips unless you hid them into the millwork. Now what you're doing with just the LEDs, the actual bulbs, the technology of the bulb, the light quality is insanely good. It is beautiful. And they have closet-ready bulbs, which, you know, non-heat producing, you can do that in divots. I mean, it's just the stuff that you can do. Dior probably has done the most advanced work in lighting inside of their retail displays. And I use a lighting designer actually often who he works on that. And and the stuff that they're doing in lighting is crazy. And it, the way it makes things look is beautiful. But you're talking about mucho dinero, right. you know? And- right. Dior can afford it. I can't, you know? <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of my clients can and cannot too. But I'm saying just on 
lighting, millwork design, interiors of drawers. I mean, there's so much that hasn't happened yet. I think people, we just need to keep innovating within this space. Right. So Lisa, you get the last word here. What do you seek ahead? Because God knows you're open to a lot of stuff and you use lots of different materials and luxury high-end, lower-end. What do you see ahead though? What are people going to be wanting for their closets? Maybe continuing to use every aspect of their home. I think we saw sort of a trend mm-hmm. of if you're not using your old, your kid's bedroom, like your kid went to college and you're saving it mm-hmm. to utilize that, make that a gift wrapping room, make that a sewing room, make that a closet. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, we literally converted a living room into a dressing room. And the client was like, well, I don't, I don't really come through this entry. I usually come through the house that way. So that was remarkable, right? To convert a living room into a closet. But, and then I think maybe the pandemic was also sort of an indicator where people, especially in this high-end luxury market, where you want to do your hair, you want to do your glam, you want to do all of that in your house. And so we've now started adding vanities, but I'm also now adding salons and massage rooms. And, you know, I think your luggage room is part of that space. It's sort of getting bigger and bigger into this, this is my sanctuary space. So yeah, I don't think we've we've hit the wall there. I think technology certainly has to follow. But I think it's just, you know, being innovative, becoming more convenient, building systems where the packing process becomes easier. And that's the ultimate luxury, right? That's what every billionaire wants is that everything with the push of a button sort of gets handed to you. So I think that's where we're all trying to follow. Right. No, that's great. Well, it's like like we were saying, the closet, thanks to the work of you guys in in part, the closet has become such a star in the home. But I think what you were saying, Lisa, about people reevaluating how they use the spaces in their home is really going to extend that. As you said, turn a bedroom into a closet or turn a closet into a gym or whatever it might be. And nobody now, thanks to my wonderful guests here, wants to have a standard white plywood laminate <laughs> closet. It just ain't good enough and have things in disarray. So I want to thank you all for illuminating this really complex and fascinating topic of storage and closets. So I want to thank my wonderful guests, Melanie Charlton Fowler, Maria Castro, and Lisa Adams, and thank everyone for listening to the Cherish Podcast. You've been listening to the Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hangar Studios in New York. Until next time.